Ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Step into the This is Macabre Grimoire with Airy Show, Travis Nye, and Robert Maley. Hey everybody, welcome to Macabre Grimoire, Chapter 17. The, I don't, I can't see the title. The Lead Mask Case. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm your host, kind of, today, Airy Show, here with my co-host Robert Mailing and... Hey. And then uh, special guest covering for Travis Knight today is uh, Dominic Winnicky. Hey. Hey. You came back. You came back. You're here. You made it. The long journey is over. Yes. Yeah. This, I have not heard of this case. I, but then I thought like I might have, you know, and I was reading through the notes and everything and I was like, damn, like it gets weirder and weirder as the story goes on. So... Yeah, leave it to me to find the weird, obscure shit. And you know what? I tried finding it in my um, Atlas Obscura book, and I couldn't even find anything related to it. So I'm like, oh, this is like a really deep dive. It's deep cut, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Down. Uh, uh, as as the, they'd say on uh, last podcast on the left, high weirdness coming. Yeah, pretty much. So here's our quote to uh, open the episode. 1630, be at the agreed place. 1830, Swallow capsules. After effect, protect metals. Wait for mask sign. This is from the uh, note that was found of the two victims of uh, who are at the center of the uh, mysterious deaths that this case revolves around. Uh, er- you want me to go for it? Yeah, you want to read that name? Sure. Um, sure, the lead mask of Ventem Hill. Do you want me to continue? Sure. Okay. During August of 1966, the dead bodies of two men were found on a hillside in Brazil. Much of what was discovered at the scene would leave authorities baffled and has never been fully understood. What we are left with is a 50-year-old mystery known as the Lead Masks of Ventum Hill. The... I'll continue. The year was 1966. Manuel Piera del Cruz and Miguel Jose Viana were friends working as electronic engineers, television repairmen, really, in the town of Campos dos Gotases, located in the northern area of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. It was on the 17th of August when they left the area, telling their families they needed to buy work supplies and hopped a bus heading southeast to Niteroi, more than three hours and 160 miles away. On August 20th, three full days later, their bodies were discovered laying by si- laying side by side on Ventum Hill by a young man named Jorge da Costa Alves, who had been flying his kite at that time. I think that's so cute. He was flying a kite. They were dressed identically in suits, each wearing trench coat style weather resistant jackets and covering their eyes lead masks designed to protect one from exposure to radiation. Jorge Jorge hurried home and alerted the police. Journalists, their curiosities piqued by the oddity, quickly arrived as well. Though Piera de Cruz and Viana's bodies were partially covered by vegetation, there was no sign of a struggle. They had no external injuries, and the area seemed otherwise undisturbed. Aside from the way they were dressed and the lead masks upon their faces, the police made note of a few other strange items as well. Next to the bodies lay an empty bottle of water, 
a packet containing two towels, and a notebook with a bizarre and cryptic message scribbled inside. Translations from the Portuguese vary only slightly, but remain perplexing because of the grammatical and spelling errors contained in the note. It read, and I'm going to read this in Portuguese, 1630 estar no local determinado, 1830 in guerrer capsulas, após efito metais a Guadar Sinal Mascara. Translated, this means 1630 B at the agreed place. 1830, swallow capsules. After effect, protect metals, wait for mask sign. Though one can make sense of the message, including the deduction that the bottle of water was used to swallow some strange capsule, it is just incomplete enough to provide one more stumbling block in the way of solving the mystery. What was the effect they were waiting for? What was the mask sign? And why did they need protection from radiation to begin with? In the days that followed, good detective work was able to add a few more pieces to the puzzle. The shop where they purchased the trench coats was located, and it was discovered as well that they purchased the bottle of water at a bar. The waitress who served them made mention that Miguel Viana seemed nervous and frequently looked at his watch. Whatever Miguel and Manuel were doing, wherever they were going, one thing seemed certain. Time was of the essence. Could you imagine, like, two, like, shifty guys, like, being like, come on, bottle of water, let's go, you know? Yeah, and then the 60s. And one thing I point out from one of my other sources I found is that uh, they say the bottle of water was probably used to swallow capsules, which they probably did that as well as uh, the towels they found on them were in mm -hmm. a bag and they were soaking wet. They were wet? Yes. Oh, my God. Here's, okay, this is this is interesting, this next part. It says, autopsies conducted in the days following the discovery of their bodies, however, did not lend any answers. There simply was no cause that could be found as to why these men died. The capsules they swallowed may very well have had something to do with this, but we simply do not know. It should be noted here that toxicological exams, quite normal, particularly in a situation like this, were never conducted. Why? It seems like the coroner's office was so backed up that the victim's organs were merely left to rot, more or less making the testing of them useless for traces of poison or other contaminants by the time the coroner got around to the job. What a bunch of pooey. Well, you figure if they waited a couple days, though. I was going to say, uh, the 60s in Brazil, I mean, That's they're, not, true. they're not like throwing around a lot of resources. You know, it's not CSI Miami. They're not That's true. throwing right. that back to the lab and, and, for analysis right the, the human body deteriorates pretty damn quickly so right yeah all right uh in the years since the tragedy investigators have proposed several theories in an attempt to explain the events that transpired on ventem hill one was that the two men were lured to the location by an unknown third party and murdered Proponents of this idea point to the note claiming the spelling and grammatical errors were due to the words being dictated by someone else, possibly in an attempt to take advantage of these men's gullibility in order to rob them. Acceptance of this scenario requires several assumptions. However, it does seem to be true that the bodies of Pereira, de la Cruz, and Viana were found without any money on their person. Another contention is that the victims were wannabe time travelers and that they believe they had discovered a wormhole of sorts through which to travel. Could the impermeable coats and lead masks have been, have been protective gear meant to shield their bodies somehow? If so, why was it necessary to ingest the capsules? Maybe, I don't know, that's uh, 
It depends on all, what the all caps. of these answers like require a holy shitload of like mental and logical hoops. Yeah. Even the robbery one, which should be the like Occam's razor straightforward one. Yes. Yeah. So they got robbed by someone doing the like most elaborate, over the top sci fi oriented con in the history of manipulation. I'll buy ever. these jackets, I'll put on these masks, I'll lay next to that well. Yeah, I'm totally a time traveler. You, you got cash on you? Good. Yes. Yeah. Here are the towels. Just take them. <laughs> Don't ask why. Uh, let's see. Finally, the most popular belief is that Manuel and Miguel were UFO enthusiasts looking to make contact with extraterrestrial visitors. This, I believe. This particular belief also has some evidence, albeit anecdotal, to back it up. The victims were both said to be very intrigued by the mysteries of flying saucers, researching them extensively, and, it is said, have even built a small laboratory for that very purpose. Ventum Hill has been something of a UFO hotspot, with strange hovering crafts being seen on a regular occurrence by the townsfolk. Even, some say, on the very day that Manuel Pereira de Cruz and Miguel Jose Viana made their final climb to the top. Could this mask? Could this be the mask sign they were waiting for? The arrival of an alien spacecraft? Were the lead were the lead masks, which by the way, these two technicians cut and sculpted themselves in their workshop, designed to protect them from radiation emanating from the ship? What then of the capsules? Or the two towels that were found alongside them? They have been using them, as Douglas Adams would write over a dozen years later in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, to wave as a distress signal or to use for warmth on their interstellar travels. That's interesting, because if the towels are wet, wouldn't you want to use, like, snap them? <laughs> Make them a weapon? Um, it says, whatever it was that happened on the hill, we can be reasonably certain of one thing. It wasn't suicide. Eerie correlations to the Heaven's Gate UFO cult mass suicide of 1997 notwithstanding, the two men had obtained a coupon to return the bottle for a deposit back home, and even their story of needing to buy work supplies checked out. Investigators found newly purchased electrical components among their personal effects. It seems clear they were not expecting this journey to be their last. It's really interesting that they um, were able to kind of discern that basically like they had plans after this was to go down. Like I'm going to, yeah. like I want to get money for these bottles. Like I have plans. I've got a, I got a deposit on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five cents. Yeah, if you, if you knew you were going to go commit suicide, you'd spend it on something fun or splurge or something. You wouldn't be like, well, I'll go buy those electrical components I need for my job tomorrow. <laughs> right. Um, let's see. Among the facts, anecdotes, and supposition, the simple truth is that we don't know what happened that day on August 1966 on top of Ventum Hill, and we likely never will. Author Jacques Vallée, who, prof who profiled this case in his book Confrontations, wrote that even years later, grass refused to grow at the location where the bodies were discovered, though it seems reasonable to assume that the investigators who worked the scene sprinkled form formalin around the area to aid in masking the smell of decomposition and that this likely contaminated the soil. Blah. Soil remain many remain unconvinced. They believe that something sinister, perhaps even truly out of this world w was up there that day. Formalin's like a form of like what formaldehyde? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what I kind of figured. Um, do more reading and you'll only see the case gets weirder. These people were into some strange stuff. The Italian Wikipedia, which I didn't even know Italy like, I just thought it, Wikipedia was just, like, a worldwide thing, and it just naturally translated. But, anyway, sorry. All right. I digress. The Italian Wikipedia article details reports of the same two young men sitting up extremely 
Setting up extremely bright, powerful, explosive fireworks, the lead masks must have been to shield their eyes from the bright flashes from the fireworks they used. Several days after their death, a UFO sighting sounding vaguely similar to their fireworks was reported. The strangest but most obscure report, though, is that another lead mask death happened four years earlier. I find this one really fascinating. Yeah. Flying Saucer Review Magazine, that's so funny, reported that a man named Hermes Luis Fitosa was found dead in 1962. That's four, yeah, okay. Um, ex- around the exact same area with the exact same type of lead mask positioned on his face. According to Wikipedia, investigations had revealed that the victim had gone to that place with specific intent to experiment alleged psychic abilities that would have allowed him to pick up radio and television signals without the use of electronic means, but only through the power of the mind. If all this is true... This seemed to be some kind of a cult thing. If it was a ritual suicide, it might have been done with the intention of continuing to live outside of their physical bodies. Accidental death can easily be ruled out if if Hermes Louise Fatosa case is true. It's disappointing that there isn't more information about these spiritualists. Many have suggested that they were a part of a group of people attempting to contact aliens. And another uh, another thing that I don't have listed on here is that... uh, there are some people who, and I don't know if this is complete speculation, I couldn't find sure. more sources to back it, but there was uh, one group, I did link to the uh, to the Reddit that was talking about this a little bit, uh, was the idea that maybe they were with like the Fortean movement, and uh, the Fortians are something yeah, that? that we will do like a whole episode about at some point. Can you give me a brief rundown? They are basically, imagine a religion that purposely exists to, like, basically troll the universe. Oh. And to make people believe in weird things. And they specific, basically they do things for the lulls, like invent <laughs> a language or, uh, you know, will fake, like, an ancient Egyptian artifact, if nothing else, just to baffle people. Uh, they are super fascinating, and they, like, exist throughout history as a movement. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, well, like I said, we could do a whole episode. Oh yeah, it. absolutely. But the uh, I think it's the the one of the main like guys of it, like the most the most prominent piece of literature that explores it and like their movement and what they think about things, which is hard to to say. It's hard to wrap your head around. Is like you know understatement of the decade. Right. Um, it's called the Illuminatus uh, or the Illuminati trilogy. Okay. If you look for those books, I I couldn't get th- I got like through the first novel and I couldn't get through the the other two because it was just so like it was tough. It was wild. <laughs> it was like you know intelligent dolphins helping the Illuminati attack Atlantis underwater with like what a whole bunch of yeah. It's just like. That's so it takes like a conspiracy theory and just cranks it up. Yeah, well. imagine yeah. that it turned that like ten years from now, Alex Jones comes out and just be like, "This was all an act, and I can't believe you bought it all because I wanted to destabilize the U.S. government just because I can." Sure, you Jesus, know? And, and that because so like a fortean will like never admit they are a fortean. Well, well, that like, defeats their, the purpose. Their, their movement, yeah, yeah, by definition, is that they don't. It's they perfectly their like mission is to perplex you and that and that, that's how they see their like role in the right. universe and stuff like that and it 
it goes way back to like certain ancient cults and stuff like that, but it's really hard to like pin down if it's like one continuous thing throughout oh, history sure. mm-hmm. or what, because they'll claim it even if it's not true. But it, they're smart. Lots of them are academics and really smart, and they're smart enough to make it be like feel legit and look legit and right. sources and stuff like that. What's but, interesting is that there's so many. If there's you know, depending on how many of them there are out there. That none of them have the need to ha- to service their ego, of be of coming out and saying I started this bullshit. You know what I mean? Because there's so many people that want to get credit for things like that. You know, I mean, we deal with that all the time within the film industry. That people want their credit, they want their attention for like that was my idea, that was my thing, and that nobody throughout history of these. I think that's more of a recent thing. You know, I mean, I think years upon years ago, people. The, the way of, you know, getting credit was a lot less. You know, so I think they could do it and say they did it, and nobody's probably going to believe them anyway. Yeah, possibly, yeah. I just... That's true. Um, but, yeah, Fortians are like a... We, we'll need to unpack that. Before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't even... Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is, this is one that was early on on my list of things to cover in a paranormal podcast because... This one really leaves me scratching my head. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about the capsules that they took because uh, I thought I read somewhere that somebody said it possibly could have been a psychedelic uh, trip that they were trying to take. I'd believe that. Which, yeah. I mean, it's the 60s, you know. Right. So, some it's the sort 60s of, and they're spiritualists. Right. Into, like the occult and stuff like that. And it almost sounds like they may have gotten the idea from this, this guy four years earlier and thought, well, what was he into so we'll try it too and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that's so and i want to i mean there would have been more reports of people continuing to do this throughout the 60s at that specific location right i mean you would think you would think that you know so it's just interesting though that, that it's the same location or similar and, lo- and keeping in mind that they didn't live in this area they had to travel what was it like a three-hour bus yeah ride or something 120 like miles like that yeah that's a good. That's a good. That's a good For day. Sixties, yeah. I mean, no, even I mean, today. That's sixty miles an hour. That's two hours. Just it was still three hours away. Okay, if they're traveling forty miles an hour, they probably were. <laughs> yeah, traveling in a bus in the sixties in rural. Oh yeah, yeah. Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. Sure. Probably stopping every. And maybe it was a dirt road. Or we don't know. We literally have no idea what Rio de Janeiro looked like in the sixties. Yeah, uh, but I'm. I'm gonna. My guess is going to lean on the side of underdeveloped. Just call it Here we go. We'll say underdeveloped. I like that. That's, yeah. The, I, so the, the thing, though, that I was surprised that, that you left out at the beginning, like I think should have been in the beginning of the article, Ooh, okay. is the fact that they constructed the lead masks themselves. Like that's the most fascinating part to me is the fact that they did this. So clearly it was an in- intent. Like like we so have to make they, these masks. Like these, they're they mask buddies. Or when they left home, because the scrap metal that they took, or the scrap lead that they took it from, was sitting in their their shop. So they made these during the time that they had left their house. Is that what? Is no, that no, what? no, they, they made, before they left. Oh, they, that's what I thought. That's okay. That's what I thought that they made then, it before. Who wrote? Who left the note? Right. Where did they get these instructions? Maybe they were looking for aliens, and they got them from a. Uh, they were beamed down to them or something. Right, and yeah, the aliens have a rough uh, understanding of the Portuguese language. Maybe they were just really crazy. Well, I mean, aliens. 
two people at once really create that really crazy in that way that their craziness is like coordinated. Well, you have these doomsday preppers, and, though. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying that isn't what happened. I'm just like we're getting to like a level of coincidence, coincidence, coincidence to the point that it's just kind of like aliens are becoming more plausible by the minute. Right, right, right. But uh, yeah, it's it's a weird one, and there is no no answer, and there probably will never be a like definitive answer on what the heck happened to these guys. I hate that. I hate that there's no definitive answer. I love it. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah. I want to. I want to get at the shit that no one can explain. I know, but I want like some theories, you know. Well, we got theories. I know. I want a good theory. <laughs> It would be really more interesting if it had continued like every four years. That's yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. It's like, has this ever happened again? Because it's just like a one and done. Well, a two and done because well, you yeah. had the guy in '62 and now these guys in '66. Do you think the '66 guys heard about '62 guy and they're all like, "That sounds like a really good idea. Maybe we could do it better than him." And then, oh shit, this was a bad idea, and then they died. Maybe that's they a- were actually aliens, and that's how they. That's how they had to travel back is basically spiritually because they're energy, they're energy beings and they had to travel back. So yeah, they had to basically get out of their meat suit and be gone. I like that. Maybe they became beings of energy and they're like soaring through the universe right now. I like that. What, um, what movies, there's a movie out there where the aliens are basically energetic beings. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, I think there's quite a few. I know, but like I remember watching. It was like it was like it was a movie for kids, and I remember that um, finding out that the aliens are just beings of energy really bummed me out (laughs) because it was like all this work and build up to like getting to like finally like meet the aliens, and all of a sudden it's like this light being. It's like what the like this is dumb. Like (laughs) like why would it be a being of light? Contact. No, not contact. The navigator. I don't even. It wasn't Explorers, because you saw the... Yeah, definitely not Explorers. Maybe you're, you might be miscon- or a little bit confused in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. No, I saw that with I you. Say, those weren't energy at all. No, like, no, the, but it, I mean, you see the ship open, and it's mostly white. True. No, 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 it was like this... this it was like Maybe this, you got scared and tuned out at that part afterwards. I, so. It's possible, <laughs> but, but I'm... <laughs> you can never look at mashed potatoes the same way again. This, no. is, this is true. Uh, no, but it was like they were—they're on a spaceship and they're and they're meeting the the aliens, and it ends up being a being of of light. And it's almost like you know, like those old windows, like the Windows ninety eight, like mm-hmm. screensavers, and like that lights like bouncing around. That kind of looked a lot like that. At least that's how I interpreted it, it to be. But it felt like it was like a Disney Channel movie or something. Maybe it was a Xenon. I bet it was. I bet it was a Xenon movie. Xenon. Xenon. Oh my God, Girl of the Twenty First Century, guys. What? What? Okay. Okay. God, I'm looking this up right now. Girl of the 21st century. Here we go. Um, it starred Raven Simone. Uh, That's so Raven. It says uh, Holly Fulger, Stuart Pankin, and Kirsten Storms. Um, Kirsten Storms? That sounds like a made up name. Okay. It's, a, it's a good weather. Uh, Cursed storms yeah. your weather on the fives. <laughs> exactly. No, come on. All right, hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, oh, wow, they all got older. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Strange how that happens. <laughs> Xenon, Xenon alien. Uh, alien scene. Xenon aliens. Okay, so, like, what it was is that there was this, there was this uh, moon ghost that, like, they were, like, 
they didn't know it was a moon ghost, and then they ended up, it's like, her name was Luna, like, dumb name for a moon ghost, but. It's pretty on the nose. Yeah. More or appropriate, I guess. I don't know, but, like, but, yeah, when. call me weird tentacled alien thing. But oh, they that's straightforward, yeah. But yeah, anyways, it was like this whole buildup of like them them thinking it was like this alien that ends up being like a ghost creature. So a creature, I don't know. It just that's what that's what made me think that it, that you know with the energy beings and the aliens that this took a weird turn. <laughs> I at first I thought you were thinking of the movie Life Force, which was about space vampires, but I don't think uh, you. I'm pretty sure you've never seen that. So. That would be a pretty good assumption that I haven't seen it. But you guys should all check out Space Vampire. What was it? Life Force. Life Force. I'm like, Space Vampires. That's the name of the movie. Uh, the lead actress, Matilda May, is naked throughout the entire film. What? Yeah. Why? Her, her character is naked throughout the entire movie. Do you see, like, what do you, like, boobs and butt? or Everything. Badge? Yeah. Jeez. Well, not specifically. The- <laughs> Googling this. What, what is it called? It's called Life Force. It's uh, 1985, directed by Toby Hooper. Oh, 85. Math is hard. That's okay. Numbers are hard, too. Um, yeah. I'm kind of getting that. Oh, I see a butt right there. The center yep. one. Yep. Yeah, she, I, yeah, the whole movie she's making. Oh, my making. God, that website. I thought it said Poop Club. It's Popo Club. Um... What? The hell? It's a really bizarre movie. It's, that, it's kind of you a... You say? What are they strapped to? Like some sort of like... Jet? Well, it's kind of they find these aliens on the ship. We are looking at an image of... Na- uh, it's a movie poster for this Life Force film with naked women strapped to what look like jet engine, Like Boeing jet engines flying out of a weird alien spacecraft. Yeah. It's 1985. It was from the Canon films, so, you know, they were a oh. little... Oh, yeah? They they were trying weird push, things push at that time. Well, there's no nips on the poster. Well, it's not that I can see. But, oh. yeah, they find them in these, like, crystals, and they bring them back. There's, like, uh, two naked dudes and a naked woman, but, of course, you know, the dudes are... Yeah, who cares about who cares about the D? Yeah. Who just want to see the, the boobs? Turn into? Yeah. A space oh, winged, damn. space vampire-ish creature. Interesting. Damn. That, okay, that's cool. So, yeah, that looks wild. So, <laughs> in conclusion, the lead masks would not protect you from space vampires. I think that much is abundantly clear from our research that we've just done. <laughs> our, our two minutes of research. Our exhaustive research on yeah, space vampires. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, my gosh. That's so interesting. I just, yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of is that they thought that they actually were aliens and they needed to get out of their meat suits. That would make the most sense. Like that little Men in Black character. Yeah. 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 What, what's the line? The the galaxy is on Orion's belt. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So, I guess, I don't know, I got nothing else in this. Sounds good. Once again, if you... Enjoy our, our <clears throat> playful banter with the paranormal and with weird dead bodies found in the 60s in, in Brazil. Uh, be sure to check out our website, macabregrimoire.com, or our pa- parent site, thesueempire.com. Uh, be sure to leave us a review. Uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, and if you really like us, uh, go ahead and check us out at Patreon. We really appreciate your support. Uh, thank you very much this week, uh, and we will see you next time.
Macabre Grimoire is a production of the SiouxEmpire.com. Learn more at macabregrimoire.com.